Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, also on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 28th of August 2021 and the title of today's show is Disaster in Afghanistan, The Global Great Awakening is in Progress and I'm sure you've all heard the news about the terrible um, killing of 13 Marines, I think the count is up to now and many injured and hundreds of Afghans injured. And so today I'm going to focus on really why this is such a disaster, uh, why Biden is responsible and this so-called administration is responsible. And even though they are determined to try and blame Trump, of course, because it's Trump's fault for everything that happens. So I'm going to go into that in quite a bit of depth. I'm also going to be covering the FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine, which is interesting news. Not all is as it appears to be. And also updates on what's happening with the Arizona audit and also what's happening with Wisconsin. And there's also an organisation called True the Vote, according to Breitbart, is doing some major investigations into the 2020 election. So last week I was saying that I thought Biden, sorry, Trump had negotiated with the Taliban to make this withdrawal by Biden and co um, such a huge disaster. I have to say that there are a couple of people that did agree with me on that. They were getting the same feeling. I'm not sure what to make of this week's events with the suicide bombings in relation to that feeling. And yet, I have a feeling that there is something going on that is not what it appears. There was a mention uh, in the news, uh, and I don't actually have that article, I don't think, which said the Taliban announced that they one of the things they were going to be doing was to fight climate change. This was before this horrific bombing, but it occurred to me that they were trolling the Dems for their focus on climate change. It just seemed a very odd announcement to make by a group like the Taliban. I still don't know whether the White Hats are in control. We'll just have to wait and see. I sincerely hope they are. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Biden gets worse by the day. I've got, you know, a couple of articles on that. Um, would his controllers really allow it to get this bad if it wasn't meant to awaken people to how appalling this regime is and how much more likely it is that election fraud in 2020 actually did occur. 
That's why I was titling this show, or partly, The Global Great Awakening is in Progress, because, you know, we've got people all over the world criticising Biden, calling for impeachment, calling for even court-martial, um, calling for his resignation, uh, wanting to invoke the 25th Amendment on the on the vaccine front, we've got countries all over the world that are um, protesting against the lockdowns. Um, France, Australia, uh, the UK, you know, the list goes on. So I've always said that um, those two aspects, the election and not just the election itself, but the repercussions of the stolen election and the COVID situation are really the two arms of, A, the Great Reset, but also the Great Awakening. And um, so we have a lot that is heartening in terms of people waking up. I was on Twitter uh, yesterday, and one tweet I saw was... uh, a Democrat actually saying, I regret voting for Joe Biden. I think there are many, many more who aren't admitting to it. There are still people that are praising um, Biden for his handling of Afghanistan, unbelievably. Uh, One was uh, the Hollywood star Ed Asner saying he thought Biden had done a good job. I mean, really? It's amazing. So anyway, Let me get on. I'm going to start with Afghanistan and the story there. But I want to start with um, an article that relates to Kash Patel and his take on what's happening in Afghanistan. So this is an article by the New York Post and it goes back to August the 19th, so before things really got worse and worse. And it says it's an opinion post. I ran Team Trump's Afghan withdrawal. Biden's attempt to blame us is just sad. And this is by Kash Patel. President Joe Biden has sought to place blame for the shocking denouement in Afghanistan on the situation he, in quotes, inherited from the Trump administration. What a sad sack attempt at blame shifting. Team Trump's withdrawal plan was sound. What proved catastrophic were Biden's changes to that plan. I'm intimately familiar with former President Donald Trump's Afghanistan strategy. In November 2020, I was named Chief of Staff at the Pentagon, where one of my primary responsibilities was to wind down the forever war in Afghanistan. Trump instructed me to arrange a conditions-based methodical exit plan that would preserve the national interest. The plan ended up being fairly simple. The Afghan government and the Taliban were both told they would face the full force of the US military if they caused any harm to Americans or American interests in Afghanistan. Next, both parties would negotiate to create an interim joint government and both sides had to repudiate al-Qaeda. Lastly, a small special operations force would be stationed in the country to take direct action against any terrorist threats that arose. 
When all those conditions were met, along with other cascading conditions, then a withdrawal could and did begin. We successfully executed this plan until January 20, 2021. During this interval, when there were no U.S. casualties in Afghanistan, President Ashraf Ghani and the Taliban conducted multiple rounds of negotiations and al-Qaeda was sidelined. The result was a successful drawdown of U.S. forces in Afghanistan to 2,500, the lowest count since the dawn of the war on terror. We handed our entire plan to the incoming Biden administration during the lengthy transition. The new team simply wasn't interested. Everything changed when the new commander-in-chief declared that U.S. forces would leave Afghanistan by September 11, 2021, pushing back the Trump administration's timetable by four months. Crucially, he didn't condition the withdrawal on continued adherence to the agreed-upon stipulations. It would be an unconditional pull-out with an arbitrary date based on pure symbolism and set in stone. At that point, the Taliban sat back and waited for the date to draw near and then launched a countrywide offensive, knowing they had no reason to fear any reprisals from this administration. The ongoing chaos, not least the stranding of US personnel and allies, was the natural result of the Biden administration's decision to eschew a conditions-based plan. With an unmovable withdrawal date in place, Team Biden showed no appreciation for ground-level intelligence reporting, which was largely rendered irrelevant. Just this week, Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, claimed the security situation in Afghanistan unfolded at unexpected speed. That is a shocking statement to hear from one of our nation's most senior national security officials. No one should have been the slightest bit surprised that when relieved of any conditions or obligations, the Taliban could and would overrun the whole country in the absence of US military power. Tragically, because of the Biden administration's single-minded focus on the pull-out date, hard-nosed intelligence was replaced with wishful thinking and false promises. In April, Secretary of State Antony Blinken vowed, we will withdraw our troops responsibly, deliberately, safely. We'll pursue a durable and just political settlement between the government of Afghanistan and the Taliban. None of that happened. Last month, Blinken assured us that Biden's withdrawal plan wouldn't endanger the US embassy in Kabul, which is now evacuated. And Biden himself declared last month that it was highly unlikely the Taliban would overrun Afghanistan, which they have now done with blinding speed. Amid this cheap political rhetoric, ignorance of the ground-level security situation and the lack of a conditions-based plan Afghanistan has fallen. America and the world deserve much better from those privileged to serve in high office. We are witnessing the utter collapse of a government and not just in Afghanistan. Kash Patel served as Chief of Staff for the Department of Defense and as Deputy Assistant to the President for Counterterrorism in the Trump administration. So let's hear what Trump has to say about all of this. And this is Breitbart. Exclusive. Trump. 
Biden-Afghanistan failure is single most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. Bedminster, New Jersey, and this was 26th of August, so after the killing of the, the Marines. Um, former President Donald Trump told Breitbart News exclusively that his successor, President Joe Biden's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan is the single most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. Trump's comments came in a lengthy and wide-ranging, nearly two-hour-long exclusive interview on Wednesday evening at his office at his golf club in northern New Jersey, where he has been living and working for the last several months. The interview, which took place before Thursday morning's horrific terrorist attack, sorry about that, I thought it was after, in Kabul at Hamid Karzai International Airport, an attack that claimed the lives of 13 American service members and many Afghans, as well as injuring many more, and moments after senior Biden administration officials attempted to downplay the number of American citizens still stranded in Afghanistan more than a week after the Taliban swept back into control across the country. Well, the only thing that surprised me is that everybody knew how absolutely stupid this situation in Afghanistan was, that it should have never, ever been this way, Trump said, because everybody knows, a child would know, you take the military out last. You get everybody out, then you get all the equipment, you take your $83 billion worth of equipment then you blow up the bases, and perhaps you stay at, you take a certain area that you may want to keep, like Bagram, and keep the base Bagram because it's next to China and Iran. It costs billions and billions of dollars to build, and maybe you keep that for other reasons, but everybody knows that you take your military out last, and they took the military out first. Biden at a press conference on Thursday again tried to blame Trump for his own failures in Afghanistan, a recurring theme from Biden and his allies as they have struggled to deal with the deepening and quickly worsening crisis in Afghanistan. But Trump noted in this interview that his deal, signed in February 2020 after Trump and his Secretary of State Mike Pompeo negotiated terms with the Taliban, and Trump himself, as well as Pompeo, had meetings with Taliban leader Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, led to no American casualties in Afghanistan since it was signed, until Thursday, under Biden. And the people that I was doing a very good job of dealing with, remember we haven't had a soldier killed in a year and a half, Trump told Breitbart News on Wednesday night. That was part of, that was a condition. No soldiers were killed. No American soldier was killed. Obviously, that all changed on Thursday when Americans were hit with the sobering news that a suicide bomber allegedly affiliated with terrorist group ISIS-K, whom Taliban security officials outside the airport allegedly allowed in, blew himself up, taking more than a dozen American service members with him, as well as many Afghans, and injuring countless others. In response to the horrifying news, Trump and fir former First Lady Melania Trump issued a joint statement on Thursday expressing their condolences to the slain service members' families and their outrage at the utter failures that led to this. 
Melania and I send our deepest condolences to the families of our brilliant and brave service members whose duty to the USA meant so much to them. Our thoughts are also with the families of the innocent civilians who died today in the savage Kabul attack, the former president said in his statement. This tragedy should never have been allowed to happen, which makes our grief even deeper and more difficult to understand. Melania Trump also released this statement, and this is on Twitter. We are praying for the families and loved ones of the marine heroes killed in Kabul and for everyone who is suffering during this difficult time. Trump on Thursday night debuted a director camera video in which he addresses the Biden failures that led to the, this crisis and the deep sorrow and loss for the killed U.S. soldiers. And he also addresses veterans who served in Afghanistan, thanking them for their service during an interview on Fox News host Sean Hannity's program. And it's got a Dan Scavino uh, tweet, which includes the video. One of the key things that Trump in his interview with Breitbart News in Bedminster hammered home was questioning Biden's capacity for serving as commander-in-chief and conducting the job of president. Trump has called for Biden to resign, as have many Republicans on Capitol Hill. Once a punchline in Washington, D.C. media circles, Biden's constant lack or consistent lack of wherewithal now has many questioning if he can even do the job of leading the United States Armed Forces, one of the duties of the presidency as laid out in the U.S. Constitution. Asked if Biden is the commander-in-chief or if someone else is, Trump said he thinks Biden is calling some of the shots. But when you have something that's so obviously stupid and everybody else goes along with it, he must be to a certain extent calling the shots, Trump said. Take a look at what happened. He came up with a plan that's so crazy and stupid and the people can't be that dumb that they would go to approve it. So he must have said this is what he wants to do, and they went along with it. All he had to do is a similar thing. What I was doing was just taking the military out last. And when everybody is out, when all the equipment is out and everything is gone, and then we just take the military and we wave bye-bye. Call it a bad experience. And we would have got out with great dignity. And we could even have claimed victory. This is a pure loss. Asked at a different part of the interview, who is really running the, the White House, though, Trump said that nobody really knows. That's the great secret, Trump said. It's a group of people. They're mean. They're nasty. Trump's campaign arm, which operates under the name Save America PAC, released a video heavily suggesting Biden is incapable of serving as commander-in-chief. The vicious ad ties together much of Biden's failures from explosive inflation to the border crisis, to Biden's complete failure to control the coronavirus pandemic. But then the ad centres mostly on this latest complete disaster in Afghanistan and Biden's inept handling of it, intersplicing images of Biden tripping up the stairs to Air Force One three times with Taliban terrorists taking over Afghanistan. And there's a tweet from Taylor Budovich. New ad, President Donald J. Trump releases Surrenderer-in-Chief. Trump was moving toward complete withdrawal from Afghanistan this year too, but he said he would have done it much more effectively than Biden has so far. 
He said that as soon as the Taliban saw Biden coming into the White House, the barbaric terrorist movement plotted its return to power in Afghanistan and knew Biden would not stop it. Trump specifically mentioned his meeting with Baradar, whom he called by his first name, Abdul, the the Taliban leader now in control of Afghanistan. Trump said he conveyed to Baradar that nothing like this would be acceptable while he was president. But the Taliban leaders quickly swept back into power as soon as they sensed Biden's fecklessness. Trump said too that Biden's weakening of the military, championed also by Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley, proponents of critical race theory, by pushing woke ideology instead of military readiness is a huge part of what has gone wrong here. I had that so locked down we were going to get every, because I was all for getting out of the endless war, Trump told Breitbart News. I was for it more than anybody was and I was doing it, but we had total control of the country. And as soon as the election was rigged and they won the election, they didn't win. Look, they didn't win anything. The election was totally rigged. And as soon as these fake results came out, these people started taking over Afghanistan because they were dealing with Biden, not me. They knew, and I dealt with Abdul, I dealt with the whole group. They knew that there would be hell to pay if anything happened like this. But they've taken over from our military. I believe it was the single most embarrassing moment in the history of our country, having to do with prestige and having to do with our military. And our military is devastated by it. They look so bad, the wokesters that are running it. I said it very strongly in Alabama. Woke means loser, and that's exactly what we've become. Trump also questioned the numbers coming from the Biden administration on how many American citizens are still stranded in Afghanistan. Hours before this interview on Wednesday evening, Biden's Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, gave a news conference claiming there were only about 1,500 American citizens still left behind in the country trying to get out. Trump questioned that number from Blinken, saying he has heard reports of 10,000 or even as high as 35,000 stranded American citizens. I heard there were 10,000 yesterday, and then I heard there were 35,000, Trump said. Now, all of a sudden, it's down to 1,500, and they're taking out far more Afghans than American citizens. So what's that all about? When asked if Biden's actions are an abandonment of the long-held American military credo, no man left behind, he said Biden has made that obsolete. Well, I think that the credo is now obsolete because we're leaving people behind, Trump said. We're leaving equipment behind and we spent more money on that war and we're leaving all this stuff behind and it's top of the line. They're now, they say, the best service soldiers in the world, the Taliban. They have the best equipment and they have better equipment than our soldiers have. And it says, ends with more from Trump's latest exclusive interview with Breitbart News is forthcoming. Now, it would seem that we've had a retaliation. Uh, People are questioning whether this is true or not. But this is Epoch Times reporting U.S. drone strike kills ISIS-K planner in Afghanistan. CENTCOM. The U.S. military carried out a counter-terrorism drone strike against a member of the ISIS-K terrorist group in Afghanistan early on August 28th local time, according to U.S. Central Command. 
In a statement, CENTCOM spokesman Captain Bill Urban said that the US military forces conducted an over-the-horizon counter-terrorism operation today against an ISIS-K planner. Initial indications are that we killed the target, he said. We know of no civilian casualties. The strike involved an unmanned aerial vehicle in Afghanistan's Nangarhar province, he added. ISIS-K is an affiliate of the ISIS terrorist group. It claimed responsibility for an attack that took place on August 26th outside the gates of Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul, bragging that a suicide bomber had managed to penetrate all the security fortifications put in place by US forces and the Taliban. Um, The attack killed 13 US service members and also injured 18 other US service members who were flown to Germany for medical care. Another 169 Afghans have been confirmed dead, reported the Associated Press. It wasn't clear whether the now-deceased ISIS-K planner was involved specifically in the August 26 attack, which took place at or near the Abbey Gate on the eastern side of the airport. According to initial reports, one bomb went off at the gate before at least one other exploded near the Baron Hotel, situated a short distance from the gate. The Pentagon confirmed on August 27th that a suicide bomber carried out the attack and denied that there was no second explosion. We're not sure how that report was provided incorrectly, but we know it's not any surprise that in the confusion of a very dynamic event, it can cause information to sometimes be misreported or garbled. U.S. Army Major General Hank Taylor told reporters, We felt it was important to correct the record with you all here. Founded in 2015, ISIS-K is a sworn enemy of the Taliban and the United States. Until the airport attack, ISIS-K had been quiet since Kabul was taken over by the Taliban on August 15th. Marine Corps General Kenneth F. McKenzie Jr., the CENTCOM commander, said on August 26th, shortly after the attack, that he expected further ISIS-K attacks targeting the airport which may include rockets or car bombs. Zabihullah Mujahid, a spokesman for the Taliban, said that it was conducting a Taliban investigation into the ISIS-K attack. Since August 15th, crowds have flooded to the gates of Kabul airport, desperate for help from US allies to leave the country. Mujahid told reporters in Kabul on August 24th that they want all foreign evacuations to be completed by August 31st and will accept no extensions to the deadline. So there are many in the comments uh, of this article basically saying they don't believe this because um, how would they know who and where to strike? And if they did know who and where to strike... Why didn't they act before this uh, terrorist bombing? So in the absence of any leadership from Biden, Western Journal reports US Special Forces vets go rogue in middle of night, rescue Afghan allies that Biden won't. And this was August 27th. In times of crisis, we look to our heroes. And though the Afghanistan development seems insurmountable at this point, We're relieved by a new group of heroes who stepped up to the plate. We've been hearing of growing violence in the region, 
with Americans stranded behind enemy lines. Interesting that uh, Jen Psaki, in one of her press conferences, denied that people were stranded. Amid the Taliban's growing presence, yesterday's ISIS attack that killed at least 13 US service members and wounded 15 others and resurging persecution of vulnerable groups. But one group of all volunteer special forces veterans of the Afghan war wasn't going to take the Taliban's abuse lying down. In fact, they stepped up where the Biden administration wouldn't. On Wednesday night, Task Force Pineapple launched a final rescue mission dubbed Pineapple Express. Interesting choice of name, not sure why. To save Afghan allies and their families still trapped behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. Beginning on August 15th, the veterans devised a plan in conjunction with US military forces present at Kabul's Hamid Karzai International Airport to rescue those left behind enemy lines who had identified themselves with a password upon reaching the US-occupied zone. The group told ABC News that in conjunction with the US military and the US embassy, they escorted approximately 500 Afghan special operators assets and enablers and their families into the airport in Kabul overnight as of Thursday morning. By Friday, one group member estimated they saved at least 630 Afghan lives. Jason Redman, a combat-wounded former Navy SEAL, expressed his frustration that our own government didn't do this. We did what we should do as Americans. As the mission was still underway Thursday, disaster struck in the form of the ISIS suicide bombings. Dozens of high-risk individuals, families with small children, orphans and pregnant women were secretly moved through the streets of Kabul throughout the night and up to just seconds before ISIS detonated a bomb into the huddled mass of Afghans seeking safety and freedom. Army Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann, retired Green Beret commander and leader of the private rescue effort, told ABC. There were wounded among the Pineapple Express travellers from the blast, and members of the group said they were assessing whether unaccounted for Afghans they were helping had been killed, the outlet reported. It's another garish development we're witnessing from the Afghanistan crisis, but it's reassuring to see these American heroes responding to the cries for help emanating from those left behind. August 31st is drawing dangerously close, and we still have a lot of work to do to deliver our people and Afghan refugees from a future of Islamic militant oppression. We're thankful for heroes like these who go above and beyond what's required of them to save those left behind in the wake of this administration's poorly executed withdrawal. In dark times like these, it's important to remember what our men and women in uniform have sacrificed and continue to sacrifice to rectify the failures of our elected officials. Neither they nor the victims of this untimely withdrawal should be forced to answer for a mistake they didn't make, a mistake the Biden administration refuses to own. But the bold and tenacious are ready to do what's necessary. Let that be a lesson to Biden. This is what true leadership looks like. And then DC Patriot reports Glenn Beck in Middle East running rescue efforts to get Americans, Afghan Christians out on private planes. 
Glenn Beck is putting his money where his mouth is. Beck is on the ground in the Middle East with the Nazarene Fund, and they are putting together an effort rescuing Afghan Christian refugees, and those efforts are paying off. According to Beck, they, they've now even been able to get over 5,200 out of the country on private planes. As of two days ago, the Nazarene Fund had raised more than $30 million to aid in the rescue of Afghan refugees. In an early Wednesday morning Instagram update, Beck wrote, I cannot specify for international relations and security reasons exactly where I am today, but I am in the Middle East at the home base of operations for the Nazarene Fund. I will try to join radio podcasts right at the top, 9 a.m. Eastern, on the Blaze TV. Last late Wednesday, it was reported that the Nazarene Fund had already rescued hundreds of Afghan Christian families after they arrived early this week. So I'm not going to read the rest of that, but it's interesting that, and probably unprecedented, that these um, people should be intervening in this disaster that, of Biden's creation to actually help getting the stranded people um, out of the country. And as if all that wasn't bad enough, Breitbart reports Taliban hunting down Afghans using U.S. biometric data. A report claims the Taliban is bragging about using American-built equipment to identify and hunt down Afghans who assisted the United States and other nations in the war-torn country. This was published yesterday. Zenga News reports via the New York Post Nawazuddin Haqqani, one of the brigade commanders over the Al-Isha or Aisha unit, bragged in an interview with Zenga News that his unit is using US-made handheld scanners to tap into a massive US-built biometric database and positively identify any person who helped the NATO allies or worked with Indian intelligence. Afghans who try to deny or minimize their role will find themselves contradicted by the detailed computer records that the U.S. left behind in its frenzied withdrawal. The existence of the Al-Aisha unit has not been previously confirmed by the Taliban. Until now, the Haqqani network, a terror group aligned with the Taliban, has not admitted its role in targeting Afghans or its use of America's vast biometric database. The U.S. National Counterterrorism Center has referred to the Haqqani network as the most lethal and sophisticated insurgent group targeting U.S. coalition and Afghan forces. Now that Kabul is taken, operational work has taken a backseat and we've turned our focus on counterintelligence, Haqqani said in an interview with Zenga. While most of the brigade is now resting in different madrasas, which means Islamic religious schools, the Al-Aisha group is now the principal agency handling this biometric data project. We're in control of the Interior Ministry and the National Biometric Database they kept. We have everyone's data with us now, including journalists and so-called human rights people. We haven't killed a single foreign journalist, have we? We aren't arresting the families of these people who are on the blacklist either, he added. The report comes after Politico revealed that US officials based in Afghanistan provided the Taliban with a list of names identifying US citizens and Afghan allies 
to grant them entry inside the Kabul airport's outer area. Basically, they just put all those Afghans on a kill list, a defence official told the news outlet. It's just appalling and shocking and makes you feel unclean. American forces working under heightened security and the threat of another terror attack pressed ahead with the evacuation from Kabul's airport Friday, the day after a suicide bombing at the gates, wrote a devastating final chapter to the nearly 20-year war in Afghanistan. The death toll rose to 169 Afghans, a number that could increase as authorities examine fragmented remains, and 13 US service members. The White House and the Pentagon warned there would be more there could be more bloodshed ahead of President Joe Biden's fast approaching deadline Tuesday to end the airlift and withdraw American forces. The next few days will be our most dangerous period to date in the evacuation, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said. Thursday's bombing blamed on Afghanistan's offshoot of the Islamic State group, an enemy of both the Taliban and the West, marked one of the most lethal terror attacks the country has seen. The US said it was the deadliest day for American forces in Afghanistan since 2011. Of course, this fiasco hasn't just affected the US, it's also affected the UK and European countries as well. And as I said in the introduction, um, former British commander in Afghanistan calls for Joe Biden's court-martial. We've also got Madison Cawthorn requesting the cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment. We've got articles of impeachment filed by Marjorie Taylor Greene. And we've got multiple calls for Biden's resignation now. But of course, it's all Trump's fault. And then the final nail in the coffin. Um, this is Western Journal defining photo of Biden presidency. POTUS goes into fetal position, crumbles when hit with tough question. President Joe Biden illustrated once again that he's unfit to lead after folding like a cheap lawn chair at a news conference following the slaughters of 13 U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. During the half-hour briefing, the doddering 78-year-old career politician looked weak and confused while reading from a teleprompter after the two bomb attacks at the Kabul airport on Thursday. The optics were horrible. First, Biden was 25 minutes late, suggesting he had no sense of urgency following the deadliest attacks on American forces since 2011. Second, the news conference was held a shocking eight hours after the bombings. He must have been having his nap. That is an inexcusably long period of time for the White House to wait before reacting to the brutal killings of Americans on foreign soil. And when Biden finally spoke, his voice was barely a faint whisper. Instead of emanating strength and resolve, he projected a meek, defeatist attitude that was heightened by his downcast eyes and hunched shoulders. Perhaps the lowest point in the briefing occurred when Fox News reporter Peter Ducey asked Biden about the disaster he had inflamed with his chaotic troop withdrawal. There had not been a US service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020, Ducey said. You set a deadline. You pulled troops out. You sent troops back in and now 12 Marines are dead. 
Ducey reminded Biden that you said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way things have unfolded the last two weeks? Amazingly, the feckless Democrat who has been in politics for 50 years blamed his debacle on the former President Donald Trump. You know as well as I do that the former president made a deal with the Taliban that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1st, Biden stammered. For the record, Trump had negotiated the historic peace accord between the Taliban and the Afghan government in February 2020, which included setting a May 1st, 2021 deadline for the conditions-based withdrawal of U.S. forces. Between February 2020 and August 25th, 2021, the Taliban never attacked U.S. or NATO troops, marking the first time in 20 years that no American soldier died in combat in Afghanistan for a year and a half. That is, until this week, when Biden executed his sloppy, unconditional withdrawal that gave the Taliban control of the Kabul airport. That was a massive strategic blunder. Biden had opportunistically pushed back Trump's withdrawal deadline to September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, in order to stage a faux victory lap for his flailing administration. As we all see now, that lame attempt at self-aggrandizing political theatre blew up in Biden's face. Ducey followed up by suggesting that many Americans aren't upset by the troop withdrawal, but by the botched manner in which it was executed. That's when Biden lowered his head with a defeated hangdog expression, not because of the deaths of U.S. Marines, but because he couldn't cope with a tough question. Biden was eviscerated on Twitter for his tone-deaf self-pitying. This is what weakness looks like, Donald Trump Jr. tweeted. The UK's Daily Mail tweeted that Biden adopts fetal position as he crumbles when asked over responsibility for deaths of 13 US troops in Cabal. British broadcaster Piers Morgan said Biden should hang his head in shame because he has committed an act of shocking moral cowardice in, in Afghanistan that shames America and should horrify anyone who has an ounce of humanity in their heart. This picture sums it up. He knows what he's done and he knows it will destroy his presidency. One Twitter user summed up the moment best when she tweeted, If this picture was Biden mourning the loss of life in Afghanistan, I wouldn't be bothered by it. In moments of tragedy, a person in power showing real human emotion can be calming, but that's not what it is. It's his reaction to a difficult question from the press. It's awful. The United States is rapidly collapsing under the numerous crises Biden has inflamed with his reckless policies. Can we really endure another three years of this destruction? And hopefully we're not going to have to. And we have to remember that Biden is an actor. Biden isn't Biden. So, you know, it's very difficult to put together a cohesive picture of what is going on with all these different elements involved. So I'm just going to um, suspend uh, any judgment on this and just wait and see how it all plays out. So I've taken up a lot of time with the Afghanistan situation, but I think it warrants it. Um, just going to do a quick update on COVID. OANN reports that the CDC numbers reveal that hospitals counted more than 130,000 deaths from pneumonia, 
flu and heart attacks as COVID-19. And then, as I said in the introduction, the FDA approved Pfizer vaccine, which has got a lot of criticism. Um, and this is fairly old news now, so I'm not going to go into the original announcement, which I think was Monday. But this is an article uh, from the 24th by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Merrill Nass, MD, on The Defender, which is childrenshealthdefense.org. Two things mainstream media didn't tell you about FDA's approval of Pfizer vaccine. Buried in the fine print of Monday's approval by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration of the Pfizer Comirnaty COVID vaccine are two critical facts that affect whether the vaccine can be mandated and whether Pfizer can be held liable for injuries. Monday, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved a biologics license application for the Pfizer community vaccine. The press reported that vaccine mandates are now legal for military healthcare workers, for military, sorry, healthcare workers, college students, and employees in many industries. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has now required the vaccine for all teachers and school staff. The Pentagon is proceeding with its mandate for all military service members, which will be another disaster if they're all struck down with these vaccine uh, adverse reactions. But there are several bizarre aspects to the FDA approval that will prove confusing to those not familiar with the pervasiveness of the FDA's regulatory capture or the depths of the agency's cynicism. First, the FDA acknowledges that while Pfizer has insufficient stocks of the newly licensed community vaccine available, there is a significant amount of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine produced under emergency use authorization still available for use. The FDA decrees that the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine under the EUA should remain unlicensed but can be used interchangeably with the newly licensed community product. Second, the FDA pointed out that the licensed Pfizer-Comirnaty vaccine and the existing EUA Pfizer vaccine are legally distinct but proclaims that their differences do not impact safety or effectiveness. There is a huge real-world difference between products approved under EUA compared with those the FDA has fully licensed. EUA products are experimental under US law. Both the Nuremberg Code and federal regulations provide that no one can force a human being to participate in this experiment. Under 21 US Code Section 360BBB, and there's a whole load of other numbers, Authorization for medical products for use in emergencies, it is unlawful to deny someone a job or an education because they refuse to be an experimental subject. Instead, potential recipients have an absolute right to refuse EUA vaccines. US laws, however, permit employers and schools to require students and workers to take licensed vaccines. EUA-approved COVID vaccines have an extraordinary liability shield under the 2005 Public Readiness and Preparedness Act. Vaccine manufacturers, distributors, providers and government planners are immune from liability. The only way an injured party can sue is if he or she can prove willful misconduct. 
and if the US government has also brought an enforcement action against the party for willful misconduct. No such lawsuit has ever succeeded. Now, I haven't got much time left, so I'm just going to pick out some of the key points here. At least for the moment, the Pfizer community vaccine has no liability shield. Vials of the branded product, which say community on the label, are subject to the same product liability laws as other U.S. products. Licensed adult vaccines, including the new community, do not enjoy any liability shield. And because adults injured by the vaccine will be able to show that the manufacturer knew of the problems with the product, jury awards could be astronomical. Pfizer is therefore unlikely to allow any American to take a community vaccine until it can somehow arrange immunity for this product. Given this background, the FDA's acknowledgement in its approval letter that there are insufficient stocks of the licensed community but an abundant supply of the EUA Pfizer-BioNTech jab exposes the approval as a cynical scheme to encourage businesses and schools to impose illegal jab mandates. Americans told that the Pfizer COVID vaccine is now licensed will understandably assume COVID vaccine mandates are lawful. The FDA appears to be purposefully tricking American citizens into giving up their right to refuse an experimental product. Here's what you need to know when somebody orders you to get the vaccine. Ask to see the vial. If it says community, it's a licensed product. If it says Pfizer-BioNTech, it's an experimental product. And under 21 US Code 360 BBB, you have the right to refuse. If it comes from Moderna or Johnson & Johnson, marketed as Janssen, you have the right to refuse. The FDA is playing bait and switch with the American public, but we don't have to play along. If it doesn't say community, you have not been offered an approved vaccine. And now quickly moving on to some of the election fraud news. Um, this is an email from Wendy Rogers. And um, so I'm just going to pick out the key points. I am Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers. I'm an Arizona State Senator fighting nationwide for election integrity. First, the bad news. COVID has struck our auditors and the report will be delayed for their team to recover. We pray for their speedy recovery and thank them for their hard work. Second, Arizona's Attorney General put the hammer down on the rogue Maricopa County Board of Supervisors this week. Attorney General Mark Brunovich announced that his office determined the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is in violation of state law for failing to comply with the Arizona Senate's legislative subpoena related to the 2020 election audit. If MCBOS, that's Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, does not change course, the Attorney General's office will notify the Arizona Treasury to withhold Maricopa County's state shared funds as required under the law. We are notifying the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors that it must fully comply with the Senate subpoena as required by the law, said Attorney General Mark Brunovich. Our courts have spoken. The rule of law must be followed. Today's decision stems from an SB 1487 complaint filed by Senator Sonny Borelli under ARS 41-194.01, which authorises any legislator to request the Attorney General 
investigating a county or city alleged to be in violation of state law. On July 26, 2021, Arizona Senate President Karen Fan and Senator Warren Peterson, senators, issued a subpoena to MCBOS related to the Senate's audit of the 2020 election. The senators requested six categories of items for production by August 2, 2021, including routers and network logs. This had to happen for them to stand in the way of the audit conducted under legal legislative subpoenas is unacceptable. We are continuing to push for this audit as fast as possible. And then it continues further down. The evidence has shown us that we need to push for audits everywhere. Now that everyone sees what an idiot Biden is, does anyone really believe he could have won without cheating? We cannot fail. The installation of Biden is one of the darkest points of American history. American wins when elections are fair. Biden and his goons in the federal government and the media are fighting us hard. And there are calls for donations to her fund. The other good news we've had this week um, is a huge development. Wisconsin House Speaker Robin Voss calls for cyber forensic audit of Wisconsin's 2020 presidential election results. And this was 25th of August from Gateway Pundit. For months, the Gateway Pundit has reported on Wisconsin Speaker Robin Voss. For months, the Wisconsin Speaker refused to order a forensic audit of the state's 2020 election results. But then last weekend, Speaker Robin Voss travelled with President Trump on a private plane to the massive political rally in Alabama. Via NBC15, Wisconsin State Representative Robin Voss travelled by private plane with President Trump and top staff to attend his rally in Alabama Saturday afternoon. According to a press release from State Representative Voss, Voss spent the day sharing with Trump his plans to restore integrity and trust in elections in Wisconsin. While our attempts to make common sense election reforms to close loopholes and standardised procedures were vetoed by Governor Evers, we have doubled down on our top-to-bottom investigation by Special Counsel Justice Michael Gableman, says Voss. We will do whatever it takes to help Justice Gableman uncover reports of systematic fraud in our forensic audit. Then this happened. Speaker Voss on Wednesday called for a cyber forensic audit of the state's 2020 election results. This is the first time Speaker Voss has promoted a cyber forensic audit, so this is big news. And I won't read the rest of the article, but the key point here is well-respected and independent voting integrity non-profit organisation Look Ahead America recently released their evaluation of the November 3rd, 2020 federal election in Wisconsin, showing, according to their research, that some 157,000 illegal ballots were cast in the election. So definitely grounds for a forensic audit to happen there. And then finally, from Breitbart, exclusive True the Vote conducting massive clandestine voter fraud investigation. This was published 24th of August. Conservative Election Integrity Group True the Vote has been conducting a months-long massive and clandestine voter fraud investigation into the 2020 presidential election, the results of which may soon start coming out, Breitbart News has learned exclusively. 
a document that the group's founder, Catherine Engelbrecht, circulated to prospective donors obtained by Breitbart News, details several facets of the investigation, which centres on what the group describes as the collection of cell phone GPS ping data in key election hotspots around the country, including Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Michigan. When reached and asked to comment on the forthcoming investigation, Engelbrecht confirmed the authenticity of the document and its contents, but declined further comment at this time. The document says that True the Vote has spent the last several months since late last year collecting more than 27 terabytes of geospatial and temporal data, a total of 10 trillion cell phone pings, between October the 1st and November the 6th, in targeted areas in Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Texas. The data includes geofence points of interest like ballot drop box locations, as well as UPS stores and select government, commercial and non-governmental organisation facilities. From this, we have thus far developed precise patterns of life for 242 suspected ballot traffickers in Georgia, and 202 traffickers in Arizona, True the Votes document says. According to the data, each trafficker went to an average of 23 ballot drop boxes. In other words, what the document says is that True the Vote was able to take cell phone ping data on a mass-wide scale and piece together that several people, suspected ballot harvesters, were making multiple trips to multiple drop boxes, raising potential legal questions in a number of these states. It also says that True the Vote have gathered a surveillance video on the drop boxes in Georgia and is attempting to gather similar such surveillance video from other states. And the article concludes by saying, There are several reasons why this revelation about True the Vote's effort is significant. First and foremost, these revelations come amid several ongoing so-called audits in a number of states like Arizona nationally. The results of the Arizona audit are imminently expected and other efforts by some allies of former President Donald Trump to continue the push for illuminating what happened in the 2020 presidential election. Most of the aforementioned have either not been fruitful or perhaps have even damaged the former president's cause by either not being factual or by being incomplete in their nature or for other reasons which cast doubt on their credibility. This self-described effort from True the Vote could change the discussion by providing proof, complete with cell phone data and surveillance video, of allegedly illegal activity that could lead to much more drastic action by law enforcement or political leaders in these various states. So let's cheer on these people. I really hope that this is going to happen soon. We're all getting very tired of this movie and we really want it to end with a happy ending. But uh, I guess patience is a virtue, as they say. So that's all I have time for this week. I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next week. Just as a reminder, you can find my coaching work at thesuccessalchemist.net. You can find my web development work at thewebalchemist.net and my book on manifestation at empoweredmanifestation.com. And thank you to Nancy for producing the show. And I hope to see you next week. 
So stay well, be safe and bye for now.